Why would anyone in their right mind choose to be a publisher? This was the precise moment that Dermot found me. Oi, Timothy. Ah, Dermot. Bad news inexorably does. Fucking waste. <laughs> Never forget Herman Melville writes a ripping yarn about a big white whale which is summarily dismissed, and yet today... It is lugged around in the backpacks of every serious student of literature in the world. I don't give a fuck what happens when I'm dead. I want people to buy me book now. Well, as your publisher, obviously nothing would make me happier. But sadly, for whatever reason, Knuckle Sandwich has yet to connect to its audience. You want a reason? I'll give you a reason. Right there. Ah, you mean Mr. Finch? Felix fucking Finch. The content shat all over me book and his... Fancy fucking magazine. It wasn't that bad. No! Mr. Huggins should apologize to the trees failed for the making of his bloated autobiographical 400 vague glorious pages expire in an ending that is flat and inane beyond belief. Steady now, Doug. What is a critic but one who reads quickly, arrogantly, but never wisely? Ladies and gentlemen, we have an additional award tonight, fellow book fairies. An award for most eminent critic, Mr. Oh, beg pardon, Sir Felix Fitch, O.B. and E. And what might my prize be, I wonder? A signed copy of an unpulped knuckle sandwich? Can't be many of those left. <laughs> well? Just what does that leadless pencil you call in imagination have in mind to end this scene? everyone welcome into another edition of the cinema nine podcast brought to you by cinema nine the three guys michael travis eric branchroom here we are it's thursday evening and that means 
It's time to talk movies. It's just the three of us. No guests. Nothing weird. Cinema9pod at ProtonMail.com. Cinema9pod on all your favorite local social media platforms. Uh, we're always looking for those reviews. You know, a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would be nice, but it's no big deal. We would rather you just listen more than anything else. Travis, here we are. We're officially into the new year. We're past the happy new year. We're not saying that anymore. You know, after me, I give it like a week, 10 days tops. And Why are you I'm even more, bringing it up? This is I know. Well, I'm... There's a big debate about, like, how long do you say it? Do you say it all month long? And not me. It's over. It's over. So how are you doing? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm getting settled into my new apartment. Or I keep saying apartment. It's not an apartment. It's a house. Keep, I'm getting settled into my new house. Oh, it's That's a house. going well. Uh, as, I was, as I was saying before the show, I'm teaching in person again, which is a drag. Um, oh, shit, man. Excited to hear that Chris Evans is returning to the MCU as, as Captain America to no great surprise. I hope it doesn't mess up, mess up the Falcon storyline too much. Maybe some flashbacks or something. I know Robert Downey Jr. is in talks to come back for some flashbacks for Armor Wars, so maybe it's something like that. Wait, wait, wait. So what is this? I didn't hear this. this what I said, Chris Evans just recently announced today, coming back into the MCU to play, you know, an unknown... Guy. In an unknown thing, like a movie, unknown yeah. or TV. Yeah, we, 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 yeah. No one knows what exactly it is that he's doing, but he's in talks, or he's already like confirmed to be coming back, or something. Oh, it's fantastic! I yeah. love Chris Evans as Captain America. He's perfect. I love him in oh. everything. Yeah, I mean, he was he wasn't even bad as a uh, you know Johnny Storm when he did the Fantastic Four. He was actually he was good for that, but he showed a little bit of range by being a guy who's not as cocky as Captain America. So that's great. I love it. Yeah. Woohoo. Uh, Eric Branch, are you excited about this Captain America revelation? Uh, he's my favorite Avenger. And I, you know how I feel about the MCU, but he's my favorite Avenger. And I did like how they ended his storyline in Endgame. So I'm kind of hoping it's like a prequel, like in the in the mix before, and they keep that, that timeline. But yeah, I'm down. I'm more worried about this deep v-neck being a little too deep is this too deep <laughs> oh yeah we we're in too deep ain't no blade can protect you from the true true oh <laughs> hey that v-neck is a little true true man yeah i don't know that's perfect though i think you wear it well you don't look gross you don't look like a uh, over the hill kind of asshole V-neck. It's a solid. I wasn't, neck, so. I wasn't thinking about it till you drew attention to it, and now I'm <laughs> thinking about it a lot. And it's deep, listening. yeah. That's People how we can't see it. They're they're thinking about it. They're like, what? How deep does it go? Is it like a navel cut? Does he look like Freddie Mercury right now? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> well, man, I'll tell you what. You know, it is. It's a. Uh, it's good. I like it. Yeah, we're gonna be doing the true true on this show. It's Cloud Atlas, Travis's selection, our most true. recent film. As far as I've known, after 40 episodes, so I was proud of Travis for taking us up to a little bit more modern times, but still a divisive film with a lot of different thoughts, and we will get to that when we get to our Does It Hold Up? Uh, but first, you know, as always, uh, we're going to give you our quarantine viewing picks. Uh, last week, we had Brian on, and uh, he shared a few choice films. Did anybody watch any of his selections off the top? I went to go watch uh, Witch, the Subversion, but it was a, it was a, I had to pay to rent it, which I actually did pay to rent a different movie this week that was also in subtitles, but I wasn't up for it in that moment. So at any rate, I will watch it at some point, probably. Ah. Uh, which, that's on Netflix, that, that one he recommended, which The Ascension. Oh, yeah, because I, I confirmed it, but like I couldn't pull the trigger. So if you're still interested, uh, check it out on Netflix. There must be the sequel then, because I saw something called Witch, the Subversion. 
that was available for rent. Uh, I've got to assume it's the same thing. I don't know. I'll look into it. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, hey, uh, I didn't watch any of his selections either. So, hey, sorry, Brian, but we will get to him. We appreciate you having uh, given us a little bit of your time last week. Thank you very much, Brian. Travis, what do you got this week? Um, well, again, like, uh, you know, I've been a little busy, so I've watched less movies, but that, that still means I've watched more movies than most people in their lives. Um, I, I finally made room in my life to watch Steven Soderbergh's Magic Mike from 2012. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, which is about what I thought it would be, but it was enjoyable. I'll, uh, you know, I'll watch the sequel at some point in my life. Hmm. I watched, um, I watched... Roald Dowell's The Witches, the new adaptation of The Witches. Ah. Um, you know, I, 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 people were kind of hating this movie. And is it necessary? Did it need to be made? Absolutely not. But there are still some elements about it that are different from the original that make it worth watching and interesting, even though they really don't take full advantage of like the whole race factor that they went out of their way to plug in there and then didn't really explore nearly as well or as as, as interestingly as they could have. Um, so it was, it was worth seeing, but you know, don't watch it over and over. I mean, you're probably not going to watch it over and over again, but I, I do think it um, was kind of unfairly maligned. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, first snow from 2006 with guy, uh, with uh, guy Pierce. Have you seen this, Eric? Uh, you're muted, bud. I can't hear a word you're saying. Taco Bell. Talk about the movie. I, I flipped past it on, I think Tubi, And I was like, I watched the trailer. I couldn't. I couldn't pull the trigger. How, how was it? Yeah, I wanted to like it more than you know. Like J.K. Simmons is really good in it, but but not in it as much as he should be. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to recommend this one. I, I wanted to like it because I, I, you know, it's like it's like towards where Guy Pierce kind of stopped being a leading man. Oh, and, um, his hair looked fucking incredible in that trailer. Ooh. Was it as good as it was in the preview? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like he plays like kind of like a um, down on his luck want to be car salesman kind of guy and he's like so he's like all flashy looking good like when he's out about in the world but really he like lives like trash <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so you didn't like it i mean it, like i would not say it's not worth seeing like i i, I it was worth watching but i wouldn't i wouldn't have i wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it i find your lack um, of faith disturbing that's too i bad. watched um i watched tenet uh oh, oh, this oh, this boy. film from 2020 directed by this guy named Christoph Nolan, I believe it yeah, is. Yeah, I think Swedish. <laughs> Look, I'm really sorry, Christopher, if you're listening, but I am glad I didn't see this movie in theaters. Let me preface this by saying that um, I enjoyed this movie. This is a good movie. Christopher Nolan doesn't make bad movies, okay. but I needed I needed breaks from this movie. This movie like went on for fucking ever. Okay. It just would not stop. And cool. How did you say that about fucking Christopher Nolan, man? It's Christopher Nolan. Did you, have you seen Tenet? No, I haven't. <laughs> well, then you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, <laughs> I mean, this strap in for 150 minutes at least. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but to me, it's lesser Nolan. And um, uh, you know, like towards the end, I was just, I was just wanted to be over. Like, I mean, the phrase, these two words together in my mind have never been paired together. But the phrase "boring spectacle" came to my mind as I watched it. Um, so wow. it, while it while it is good because it's Nolan. It's not, it's not as best. So I, I, I'm again, like I, I mean, I, it's yeah, it is what it is. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop comparing it to a movie I'd watched the night before 
called James versus his future self from 2019, what? which is not nearly oh. the same caliber of movie. I'm not going to try and compare them in terms of production value or anything like that or acting or anything like that. But Daniel Stern has returned to film in 2019. And I wanted to watch this movie based on that. I'm like, I, I like Daniel Stern. And he, he checked out, you know, he was only doing voiceovers and like a little bit of directing for the past 20 years or so. Uh, and he plays this movie where he like a guy develops time travel and his future self comes back to uh, like stop him from doing it. Be like, dude, you fucking, awesome. yeah, he's like, dude, you fucking ruin your life. You, you, you cut off all yourself from all of these, all your relationships to, <laughs> to succeed your goals. But like, but like you're, you end up miserable. Like, don't do it. So the whole movie is like, uh, and it, like it's it, it's it's funny, and you know, like both of these movies, Tenet and um, James versus Future Self, like to me, like you know, they're time travel movies that offer new things and unique takes on the genre. But like one of these movies, I didn't repeatedly stop and need breaks from. It entertained me throughout, even though it wasn't cerebral, and like I did it, you know, I wouldn't need to watch it on like an IMAX screen. So um, I, I'm going to recommend James versus future self. It's on a bunch of stuff. It's, it's, it's even though it's from last year, it's streaming for free. I think I saw it on Tubi or something like that. Uh, and last but not least, Mike, I watched another round. Um, hey, all right. Yeah, I all right. Round, which I take issue with the name. I like I like the, the original name so much better. It's, it's, it's D-R-U-K, Druk or Druk. I don't know, but it translates to binge drinking, which to me would have been a better title for this movie. But, I agree. Uh, I would agree. So um, it didn't surprise me much in maybe at the very end, maybe, but it, it didn't surprise me a ton. Uh, but but wonderful performances. It was really awesome to see Mads Mikkelsen reunited with uh, Thomas Bo Larson from The Hunt. That was great. Uh, the guy that played his best friend on that, mm -hmm. and um, and and just, I mean, uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a heartbreaking movie. I don't know who the fuck labeled it as a comedy, but all right, that's what humor, I said, right? Yeah, sense of humor is in the pits, man. This person needs to be taken to a Chuck E. Cheese. The marketing, was, <laughs> the marketing was all fucked up on this movie. I'm not sure what they were thinking. Uh, I don't know. It's a European film. They're trying to market it in America. Maybe there was a lost in translation moment. I don't know. Well, wow. so that's what I watched. Hey, that sounds like fun, man. All right, that's good times. Eric Brandstrom, last week you watched uh, School Ties. This week, did any more School I Ties viewings or no? I didn't watch School Ties again. Uh, I did watch The Next Karate Kid from 1994 with uh, Hillary Swank as the new pupil to uh, Mr. Miyagi. Um, I, I kind of liked it. I, I can't explain myself. It was like one in the morning and I couldn't sleep. So Hillary Swank has to go up against – it's not high school bullies anymore. It's uh, <laughs> a crop of evil campus security headed by Michael Ironside. Oh, shit. The movie is bonkers. But, um, See Swank you at the party, Richter. That's one I need. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but this is such like a – she's just such a, such a sweet actress that I kind of got into it a little bit for some reason. I can't explain myself. I took a look at a movie called Down the Shore – Starring uh, James Gandolfini in one of his final roles. I think it might have been 2012 or so. Missed it us. also stars uh, Famke Jansen in her face's final performance before she got plastic surgery. Oh, um, man. What? Where's the drop, Mike? Come on. 
Uh, it, it was okay. Wait, is there a plastic surgery drop? I wasn't aware of one. <laughs> yeah, get something for breast men. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep cut. That might take a while. Deep cut. It's all right. Um, I got this one. Fuck ancient Egypt. Does that work? I don't know. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> we fucked up the, the Sphinx's face and Safety Jazz. They did. The first face. There you go. Wow, that was impressive. I'm pretty excited. Phil is a movie directed by Greg Kinnear. It's his directorial debut. Oh. I haven't seen him for quite a few years, so I gave it a chance on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's not good. Uh, it's not oh. good. So uh, if you've been excited about Greg Kinnear, skip <laughs> Phil and watch some of his uh, other work. Dear God, perhaps. Uh, autofocus. Uh, autofocus. Yep, if you're a Paul Schrader fan. Um, okay. Anybody a uh, Paul Schrader fan here? Have we ever met anyone before? <laughs> Paul who? Uh, I took a look at uh, it's Indiana, the crossroads of America. So I got a fucking train in my backyard. That's awesome. Excuse man. it. Excuse it. Um, I took a look at this documentary called Burn Motherfucker Burn. How was it? It was really fucking good. So it breaks down. If you haven't heard about it, Travis, you've probably heard of it. It, it. I mean, it really breaks down the racial tension between the LAPD and the black community that was building since the late 1940s. So it starts in the 40s, right on Central Steep Street from uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. There it is. And it goes all the way up to the 92 the the Watts riots. <laughs> yeah. And right up into uh, 1992 breaks everything down in terms of uh, what the police were doing, what the neighborhoods were like. And it's, it's chock full of just fucking fantastic commentary told by the people that were there. What's I it recommend called? it. It's called burn motherfucker burn. Yeah. I definitely saw that. It's really good. Yeah, I wanted to follow it up with LA92, but I, you know, it's too much of a that one too. You're like, wait, what's it called? I'm not sure if I'm, oh, burn motherfucker. Burn. burn. Oh, yes, I did see that. That's right. I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw Tenet. And I got to be honest with you guys. I I don't have much to say. I was, I was bored. I was bored. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I mean, I had like five Google windows open, two Wikipedia windows open. I didn't care. I was like, wow. Just, just I just want to know what's going on. It's Both one of you guys didn't like it. Do you know anybody that like will read like the end of a book before they read the beginning because they can't handle like the, the stress of not knowing what's going to happen? Isn't that you? Isn't that you? Don't you do that? I yeah, don't you do, do that with movies. No. You do that with no, movies. No, I, I never watched watch the end before. You read screenplays years before the movie comes out. What are you talking about? <laughs> you dig online. Yeah, you're like known for that. Come on, dude. Well, you're right. But no, right. I, I kind of do wish I like just looked at like what's going to happen. Like what is this entire story before I watched it? Because I couldn't I – could, I don't know if I'm just dumb, but I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. And a half hour in, I, I just didn't care. So I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I got to be honest with you. Boring spectacle. I think Travis nailed it. I will, um, I will say, if I could jump in real quick. Please, please do. A, a note to Christopher, again, if you're listening. <laughs> Next movie, perhaps let us hear all the audio. I mean, the dialogue yeah. is kind of interesting, usually. It's so true. <laughs> There's Jesus. a documentary about Wendy Houston called Can I Be Me on, um, I think, Prime. It's lousy. Um, I have yet wow. to see a good documentary on her. This one is just, it's funny. Literally all of her friends and surviving friends and family just like um, pontificate about what they think her problems were. And it goes on for, for so long. You're just like nauseated. You're just like imagining the ghost of Whitney Houston being like, you motherfuckers didn't even know me, did you? Uh, wow. Can't recommend it. Um, Borg vs. McEnroe, I, I thought was, uh, was a really oh, yeah. well-made movie. Uh, I've been burned by tennis movies in the past. Wimbledon and Battle of the Sexes fucked me. But I dug Borg vs. McEnroe. Ultimately kind of a redundant film. If you've seen it, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. But I like the performances and the way it was shot. My top pick is uh, The Nightingale. Like match point, by the way. Match point. 
It's a good movie. Match match point I did like. Uh, my top pick is Jennifer yeah. Kent's follow-up to um Babadook. Uh, the Babadook, uh the Nightingale. It's a revenge oh, yeah. story in 1820s. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I'm just I've just ex been excited to watch it continue. Yeah, yeah. I, it's um where did I get it? I got it, I watched it on Hulu. Uh it's fucking it's really fucking good. Like it's unlike any revenge movie I've ever seen. Usually when you watch a revenge movie, you get like the first five minutes, like straw dogs, kill Bill. It's like the horrible act. And then the rest is kind of like the protagonist. I don't want to say like having fun getting their revenge, but it's kind of like a popcorn type of stuff. This is John the first Wick. revenge movie where John Wick, yeah, straw dog, all this sort of stuff. This is the first revenge movie I've seen that like throughout the entirety, you're feeling the pain of, of the main character. And it's, it's, um, residual with, with the character and you're feeling it. and it's fucking really hard to watch but really also fucking good i thought it was better than the babadook oh huh. okay well the, i have not i remember you guys going pretty wild about the babadook and uh, i never saw it it's scary film right yeah it's psychological grief horror <laughs> is that a thing grief does that, horror does that sell you psychological grief horror <laughs> I'm kinda, yeah, I'm kinda, actually i am kind of into that so the, know, the movie is a metaphor for grief it's really good yeah Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. That's it, Eric? Yeah. Okay. That's it. I find your belief system fascinating. Well, this week I watched a bunch of stupid ass movies. Um, I went on a Denzel bender after uh, the yes. kind of like you, yes. Travis, wasn't there? Was everybody and doing me. a Denzel I did one. Uh, that was, I think all three of us have been yeah, on a did. Denzel bender. <clears throat> well, I watched. Uh, I'm on a Denzel bender. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, I. Watched Crimson Tide. That was fun. James Gunn. James Gandolfini was uh, Tony Scott's buddy, obviously, with the true romance. I didn't know the connection because I didn't remember. I saw Crimson Tide once when I was younger, and I just didn't remember it. So it was almost like seeing it new. Uh, I enjoyed it. I it's it. classic Tony Scott. Endless tension. You know, uh, there's always a showdown. You know, <laughs> there's always got to be like two sides. And there's three Tony Scott movies I can think of where that happens, which is I don't think that's a coincidence, but it was good. Um, and I watch Virtuosity, um, <laughs> which uh, is not very good. No, that's Russell Crowe hamming it up. I will say Russell Crowe's a delight in that. That was movie. his breakthrough role. That was the one that it was on the map. It was the one in America where he was really like, "Hey, yeah. here it is." Yeah. Um, I which I also, but I watched a Romper Stomper too to go back to see yeah. what broke him through over in Australia, and that yeah. was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, so that I was kind of just going off offshoots of people's careers <laughs> and i watched a movie called fallen i had never seen and uh boy the new the new one not, not no, the, the 98 one no i had never seen it i want to tell you about the time i almost died <laughs> go ahead light up my life <laughs> <laughs> this was a movie i completely missed and um i gotta tell you there's a lot going on in this movie in fact <laughs> Did you guys like this film? Like, I want to hear your thoughts. Like, was this something you enjoyed back in the day? This, this is one that I loved back in the day and watched on my own this year to see does it hold up. And I strongly felt like it still holds up real well. No shit. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What did you think, Michael? So you didn't like it? Well, I feel like this song kept playing over and over again and the constant never ending. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept going the film. non-stop with this time is on my side i'm like late motif i mean it's uh it was really lame i'm just like this isn't funny i'm not scared you know it was just 
I, I, like know. I thought the movie was kind of stupid. I really did. So you're allowed to think that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I always lo- I loved everybody in it. You know, Gandolfini and Sutherland, and you never know who's who. And you know, this yeah. movie just goes in a direction I didn't expect it to go. So that's fine. Well, you know what I think of that opinion. You could uh, st- you know stick it up your ass and then put your put your <laughs> what is it? What is it? I'm sorry. I'm trying to do, like stick your ass with a sandwich. Wait, I'm fucking up the whole quote. <laughs> The guy's like, uh, you could, you know, like, you stick the job with the sandwich goes, but that's 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 what I was trying to do. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. With the uh, yeah, when he yeah, quits yeah. the job, yeah, the guy that looks like Beck, and <laughs> the guy that looks like Beck. And Philly. he's got a Pat's uh, Pat's to go yeah, back. It, it, it's did, part did of it shot in my old neighborhood. Yeah, did you end up yeah. finding out what ha- why there's a line between lions and Spicoli? Am I right? Actually, yeah. lions and spicoli. Lions and spicoli. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's it's like Spakowski. Anyway, Beck ate that cereal. Yeah, who gives a fuck? Now this is deep. If you want to see Fallen, never saw it. I recommend checking it out, but I I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of it wasn't for me. Is that okay? I mean, we can all have opinions. Title to your truth, brother. Hey, that- <laughs> truth, truth. Yeah, there it is. That's definitely as much as true, true. Protect you from the true true. That's right. There's no true true to avoid that. Oh, anyways, that was uh, fun. Um, I also watched uh, a movie called Silkwood, which kind of was an offshoot. Oh, I've never seen it. Was it good? I that's uh, great. <laughs> I really enjoyed, I'd seen it once before, but I went wanted to watch it again because part of the movie we'll be talking about, uh, Cloud Atlas, and our Does It Hold Up segment is related to Halle Berry's storyline. It's based off of the Silkwood experience of her true story. Oh, this is Meryl Streep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 I was thinking of something else. I, th- I was thinking of Rosewood. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is, yeah, Silkwood about the woman who works at the nuclear plant, you know, the plutonium place, and try to expose. So that kind of was like another offshoot. I'm I just bouncing off movies. It's kind of fun, you know? That's I, I, I watched He Got Game. I, oh, love, I love He it Got so Game. He Got Game. It's a great movie. It's oh, Spike yeah. Lee doing Spike Lee's thing. And Ray Allen is a basketball player who's a really good Hall of Fame NBA player. But, you know, he, he's serviceable. It's not like God awful. He does his job. Yeah, so. he's not a great actor. but No, 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 never. Um, and since I watched Crimson Tide, I went into Patriot Games and started to do a double feature with Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. And um, I used to love Patriot Games when I was a kid. It was like one of my personal favorites. But I feel like things have changed a little bit. <laughs> It's not as not as good as it once was, and clear and present danger is just. <sighs> if they had kept these movies to the realism that it actually portrays about CIA work and the government behind the scenes and clandestine warfare, actually a lot of it's legit. But then it's always got to end with Harrison Ford's like the first one, Patriot Games. It ends with him on a boat chase with Sean Bean, and it's right. just like, okay, this movie's off the rails. No. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just, and then the second one, he's got to go down there with Willem Dafoe, and he's got to be hanging from a helicopter this time to end that one. And it's like, okay, all right, man, we get it. So I don't know. I, and I also, I also remember the second one, like a, the big part of the movie is that like the villain's supposed to look just like him, but like he's supposed to be like a, a Latin Jack Ryan through the whole movie. I'm yeah. like, no, he fucking doesn't. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Not a, not a damn thing. <laughs> much different. In fact, if anything, Ryan. he's much more handsome than Jack Ryan. Yes. So I agree. So the only thing I took away from it was downloading this. How dare you, sir? That's it. Ah. So, otherwise, skip those movies because they're lame. But I do want to say that 28 Days was a piece of shit. So never watch 28 Days with Sandra. <laughs> <Miller>. <laughs> fucking terrible. 
They try to be honest, but it's garbage. And someone who has gone through rehab experiences, I was like, okay, well, maybe this will be cool, you know? It's well, not. Michael, I was reading about that because I was I was on a Vigo Mortensen kick, but I didn't get around yeah. to that. But did they did the AA let, let them in on? Were they involved with the film, or did they bypass it and like wing it? Well, that, I don't think they ever would, because one of the traditions is to never, you know, be involved with media and stuff. So they would never mm. give a blessing if it ever gets shown. It's usually just because somebody wanted to try to keep it real in a film. So mm. I don't know, but eh, I didn't think it was that great. Uh, I will say that uh, I did go on a Viggo Mortensen kick myself. I watched uh, Mr. Uh, Captain Fantastic. Fucking great movie. Great. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had really right. the time. But. Yeah, sorry. Yes, Trent. You are, it's an outstanding film. Really well done. Uh, I recommend Captain Fantastic. came out a few years ago. Recommend it strongly. Did you I do watched Carlito's Way? Uh, did not get a chance to get to Carlito's way, but I have seen it many times. So don't worry. I, I'm familiar with the uh, Eric sending his pictures of Sean Penn's uh, head. And <laughs> I, I did watch for the first time ever. I'd never seen it. Uh, fuck the bozos. I'd never seen 12 months. Oh, shit. It was the first time. What is going on? Uh, yeah, I guess again, I was talking about this on the show recently, how like sometimes you have to admit that you haven't seen movies that you really should have seen. So what'd you think? Oh, I loved it. it of course you did. Yeah, it's I love Terry Gilliam. Amazing. Uh, I, yeah, I just I remember when we were all the same age and it came out. We were all going crazy. Everybody's going crazy about Twelve Monkeys and yeah, uh, everybody see. Watch I, it I, time. There you go. Yeah, the feast. Or I saw people watching it at uh, people's homes, or I was present, but I didn't sit down to like absorb the film. So outstanding. Twelve Monkeys strongly recommend it. With everything I can give it, I watched a movie called The Change Up. This movie's garbage. It's it's. Oh, it's very graphic, which is interesting because it's so graphic. They're willing to go a long way for jokes in this film. It's Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman, and they switch, you know, roles. And uh, I wanted to like it. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to too. I agree. Um, uh, uh, Apatow's wife is in it. Um, oh, um, Christ! I'm spacing out her not name. Not Les. Wait, um, Les Les Man. Man. Yeah, I want to say Leslie Stahl, which would have been a very different movie. Ooh, yeah, that would have been apropos. So anyway, yeah, so overall, um, oh, and the last one I want to mention that I don't think I had seen, The Siege, another Denzel movie with Bruce Willis and uh, uh, Edward Zwick, which I combined some of our recent movies with Zwick and Denzel. And You sure did, bud. <sighs> yeah, whatever. Uh, it came out before yeah. 9-11, which is weird. because It was like a couple years right before 9-11. And apparently after the movie came out, there was a huge uh, rental search in this film. Like everybody <laughs> started watching this like right after 9-11 on video and DVD, which I'm not really still sure why. Like, why would you well, want to? After COVID-19 burst, number one movie on Netflix was was Contagion, which yeah. I oh, could not yeah. begin yeah. to imagine sitting down to watch Contagion no. still. <laughs> no. I was one of those people because I love Contagion. Yeah. OK, you're right. Look at me. Don't even know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. What are you talking about? What? I got to see Tenet, though, because you guys are just like, man. Hard well, it's, it's finally available for rent on the old Amazon Prime. I almost yeah. don't feel like it's worth it, too. It seems like you guys had a hard time, and I don't want to get depressed. So, I don't know. We'll see if I watch Tenet. But look at this. There's, oh, boy, a Cloud Atlas poster is being unfurled. It's a little mini poster right there. It's being unfurled. 
Ain't no you want that true, true or what? So yeah, we're gonna get into Cloud Atlas. This is the Cinnamon iPod, Cinnamon iPod, ProtonMail.com. Send us your emails about movies you'd like us to do in the future, or just anything we comment on while you watch live or listen to the podcast in your own free time. All right, Travis Roy chose Cloud Atlas, a 2012 film directed by the Wachowskis and Tom Mr. Tom. Tykwer? Is it Tykwer? Tykwer? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tykwer, uh, I think. T-Y-K-W-E-R. Better known for, also known for, uh, what? what's the, uh, Run, 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 co-creator of uh, Babylon Berlin. <laughs> Berlin, okay. Babylon. Yeah. Berlin, Babylon. Well, the German government uh, contributed $20 million to this film, so they were clearly involved. Yeah. Uh, so I think Tom Hanks gave quite a bit of his own money as well. He was Did quite he? the driving force behind making this movie movie happen he was but, yeah uh, tom yeah. hanks hugh grant i mean this Halle berry we have a large cast and uh, we're gonna dive into this thing 2012 <laughs> does it hold up or not this is a film that came out more recently so i think we could probably all recall our memories of watching it god damn you sir if you were not my daughter's husband hello father tilda I've come to say goodbye. Goodbye? Where are you going? We're moving back east to work with the abolitionists. What? That poison has rotted your brain? Oh, if it has, I highly recommend it. I've not felt this good in years. Zelda, I forbid you from going anywhere with this madman. I've been afraid of you my whole life, Father. I'm going with my husband. Adam. Listen to me. For the sake of my grandson, if not your own, there is a natural order to this world, and those who try to upend it do not fare well. This movement will never survive. If you join them, you and your entire family will be shunned. At best, you'll exist as pariah to be spat on and beaten. At worst, lynched or crucified. Travis, I'm sure you have yours ready to go. I, uh, I I got the poster I just showed you guys at the movie theater, and I went, oh, I'll, I'll take that. And I did not see it in theaters. I, I do wish now that I had, um, cause I, but I thought I looked weird and maybe dumb, so <laughs> I didn't watch it. Um, and also, like like Tom Hanks, like in a sci-fi ensemble, like I just couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. So I was just like, I right, will. I'm like, oh, maybe. I was kind of like, we'll see. Okay. So when it came out, um, the, my roommate at the time, when I was living in West Virginia, um, he gave this is probably the last person to ever do this, gave me like a, a burned copy on a CD like of this movie in 2012. I guess that was still a thing that Whoa. sometimes happened. That's so cool. I, I took it to my girlfriend's house and we were watching it. And you know, it's a two hour and 51 minute movie. Well, a tick over two hours into the movie, the 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 burned copy, the pirated copy failed, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" You know what I did? I put my girlfriend and her kids in the car and drove our asses up to Walmart, bought the damn thing, went home, 
and finished it. <laughs> you weren't going to let it go. Went, no way. I went wow. back and I bought it and I finished it. And that was a copy I watched uh, the night before last. Fuck and me. I, that is one of those hardcore efforts I've ever heard of. <laughs> I mean, two over two hours into a movie, I was going to fucking finish it. Um, and it's one I've watched a few times since, but it's it been quite a few years since I've seen it. Um, but I know it to be a divisive movie. And uh, I figured I would uh, see what uh, y'all, you know, run up the flag post, see who saluted. Okay. All right. Very cool. Eric Brasham. You want the true, true? Give us the breakdown. What's the true, true on this film? Do you remember your first experience with it? Because it probably was pretty recent. Yeah, it was last night. <laughs> it was in a cover box for like eight years. And I was like, what is this? Tom Hanks, like space sci-fi. This looks stupid. I can't pull the trigger. <laughs> I could not get into it. I couldn't do it for so many years. Until last night, even with the Wachowski. Well, I mean, that was a, one of the things about it, too, because past eight years, the Wachowski's, um, let me make sure I get this right. Sister. Siblings. Okay. Can I say siblings? They are siblings. No. Don't care for me. I mean, Speed Racer, um, Jupiter Ascending, the track record. We're going to do Ju Jupiter Ascending next time. It's my turn. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I God, stayed away. Way. I stayed away from the, the, the team, the filmmaking team and that cover box. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So last night was the first viewing, and too bad my uh, copy didn't stop after two hours because I could, I, my my prayers would have been answered. Uh oh, that sounds like a little bit of a teaser, and not a very good one. Uh, <laughs> kind of right. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> chewing on something. Uh, yeah, the first time I saw this movie was uh, about four or five years ago. I saw it at home. Just I uh, hadn't had a chance to watch it, and someone. It may have been you even, Travis. Uh, people were saying, you know, it's a good movie. Check it out. So I finally sat down and watched it, and I was mesmerized. I was like, whoa, this is, this is quite an experience. It really was. I, I knew it was long, but I was still pretty engrossed in it. It moves very fast, despite oh, its yeah. length. It you moves know? along at a clip. Yeah, I agree. It really does. So I, uh, I'm, I enjoyed it, and I started telling other people, hey, have you ever seen Cloud Atlas? Check it out. So it was a pretty recent. It was just me in my bed about uh, five years ago. Probably high on opioids, but you know, I still remember it. It happened. It was very, very memorable. That's how I took this movie in. But going back in time, which is not that far to 2012, and this movie is about time, by the way, in case you guys didn't know, for those that are listening to this that have never seen it, which doesn't make sense. Again, at this point in our you know show, I hope people don't do that. But <laughs> uh, do you know uh, the score? Did you guys look it up on IMDb? I didn't look it up. Ooh. I did. I could not believe my fucking eyes. <laughs> Oh. oh, by the way, Eric, I knew, I figured either Eric has seen this movie and hates this movie, <laughs> or Eric has never seen this movie and will hate this will movie. will hate it. Yeah, okay. because you, well, you don't really, I mean, you don't really, uh, never mind. I don't want to tell you how you are. You don't really, like, the like things that push convention, I feel like you don't respond well to unless it's super palatable in which case it's not really pushing conventions that much in my in in my opinion of you as a film going friend you, you tend to uh shy away from things that are weird <laughs> you condescending prick yeah that's and the true right. true right there no, man we'll talk about it Thank you from the true true Starring Tom Hanks as Ray Winstone as this fucking gangster guy. Hugo um, Weaving is Hugh Grant as Tom Hanks, who's Halle Berry meets Ray <laughs> Ben Winshaw. No, okay. We'll so, yeah. Uh, Travis, what's the score then? Give us a shot. What, what do you think? Um, I mean, 
I mean, I would like to, I personally would rate it higher probably, but my expectation is that people, you know, this, I think this movie goes over most people's heads. Um, I'm going to say, including Eric's, especially Eric's, uh, I'm going to say 5.5. 5. 5. 5.5? 5. Wow. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, that's your answer. Wow. That's your answer to everything. It's actually 7.4, Travis. 7. Oh, that's I, isn't that wonderful? That makes me very happy. Uh, well, you know, uh, that, that does surprise me. That surprised me. I can imagine a lot of people getting on in, in spite and going down there to, you know, write their little message about how they don't, they didn't like it. Didn't understand well, it. It has a lot of, uh, it's like you said, Travis, it has a lot of big time names, including the directors. So mm-hmm. it attracted enough attention because it has almost 400,000 ratings. That's a lot. That's that a lot more than a lot of films we've done. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a hell of a score for a lot of ratings. You should know that you're in good company, Travis. So, right. and, Maybe I am too. But uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, things changed a little bit. Sure. Critics, 66%. Even though this was a critical, somewhat of a critical darling for some people. Uh, it's a dead heat, though. 66 and 66 from the audience and the critics. Dead even. Yeah, yeah. again, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, this, is, this, this, was, um, this was a bomb when it came out. You know, um, and people generally, ha- like, it's the kind of movie that, in my experience, like, Mostly like 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 Madison Brian who was on last week excited about the movie uh, people that um, I know for the most part like cinephiles into it uh, into the movie and then most folk you know maybe hadn't even heard of it even the uh, cast yeah that's the true true no doubt about it normally on some of the movies we've done especially if they're older there's only like three pages of reviews. This movie has 15 different pages of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a shitload. That might, I think that's far and away the most of any movie we've done so far. That's a lot. But again, like I, I can imagine, people have an opinion. People have opinions about this movie, and I look forward to discuss, discussing yours, Eric. I, I mean, I'm giving you a hard time, but obviously, we want you to speak your true, true. <laughs> well, boy, I don't even know where to start. I'm trying. To, I mean, I'm looking for our standards, but uh, there's a huge mix of splats and red tomatoes among the critics. Uh, Allison Wilmore of Movie Line says, Cloud Atlas walks a crooked line between the glorious and the ridiculous. It's reach encumbered by sensible decisions or restraint. <laughs> what a review. Uh, uh, <laughs> stoned as fuck. <laughs> uh, Peter Travers, our old pal Rolling Stone, says, for all the spectacular settings and visionary designs, Cloud Atlas left me feeling disconnected. Hmm. Eric, do you see me feel that? I don't disagree with them. Listen, my first viewing was a lot different than my half of viewing that I tried to squeeze in today because, (laughs) spoiler alert, I've been thinking about it all day. So there you go. Oh, okay. Well, it'll creep in there. It will. Uh, Richard Roper, because Mr. Ebert died by the time this movie came out, says uh, it's a polarizing, ambitious, sometimes beautiful, and occasionally maddening epic. Four out of five stars, though. That's a, that's a pretty solid review. Yeah, I think that encompasses a great percentage of it. I was just trying to find our good man, Dessen. But like I said, there's a Ooh. ton of reviews. Mr. Dessen Thompson! But if never he quit, if he resigned by this point and stopped reviewing movies, then maybe yeah. we won't get uh, He was working for the Obama administration by this point, remember? <sighs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. How is this possible? Roger, when did Roger Ebert die? 2009? Um, I don't, I don't Roughly, know. Roughly? Right? I don't know. I don't remember. Apparently, I think it was like Roger 2013, Ebert. man. 
2013? Okay, so he did review this film. Surely, this is one of the most ambitious films ever made. Four yeah. out of four stars. Especially in terms of narrative. It's it's hands down. Storyline-wise, I can't imagine a more ambitious movie than this. Hell no. It's a, Not even close. No. And it's amazing that the directors were able to work together with just two different units breaking up the, well, what do we have, six different um, yeah. like worlds? Yeah, there's like six stories that that are essentially taking place in six different timelines or like you know time zones from 1849 to 2321. Right. Okay. Uh, by the way, have, did you ever read the book, Travis? I wish that I had. I probably never will. I, I it's fiction and me are distant. We're distant memories now. Unfortunately, it's the life of a historian. Okay. Well, could we talk? Could we just get it right to this then? Because I want to know what the opinions are because it is 2021. And I know that this would be a topic. The, you know, you got a lot of people playing different roles, playing different ethnicities that they aren't representative of and trying to fit in with fake noses galore, which is ridiculous, right? So why is every. Some of these rubber noses really don't work, especially early in the movie. Like Susan Sarandon pops up with a f- full-on fucking witch nose, and you're like, "Come on, couldn't you have saved this a little bit later?" This is more than distracting. The same thing happens with Halle Berry being a Vivian Ayer's wife. This just—it's like this nose is on everybody they're trying to hide, who might be blatantly themselves as the other person they're trying to be. So, and it's funny because there's actually like some amazing makeup going on here. I believe it may have even been nominated for best makeup. I think. I don't quote me on Ooh. that. There's some really amazing makeup going on here. Like when Halle Berry shows up as the old Korean man at one point, like you never would, could tell. You would never know. But at, at, mm-hmm. at the same time, then you got all these fucking rubber beaks coming out and just like amateur hour. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Why, <laughs> why? You could have done more here. Yeah. yeah. Until you get used to it. That first like 15 minutes for me was like Norbit, like level ridiculousness <laughs> with these fucking prosthetics. Right, yeah, it's pretty bad for. Well, I, maybe I they ran tight on money. We do know that, but it's a hundred million dollar fixture too. Yeah, I'll disagree with, with a couple points. So I think that from the because it starts and you see grizzled old Zachary played by uh, Tom Hanks, and I think that makeup looks good, and I think that he it does like, like that. Like from the start, I'm like you're like holy fuck, it's a transformation. This is amazing. Yeah, and then like the movie starts, and you're like, oh, Hugh Grant looks really. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. And then and then Susan Sarandon shows up, and you're just like this. Is what is this trash? But uh, Mike, I imagine you were going. Were you, were you perhaps going to suggest that there's something that might make people like uncomfortable about race in this movie? <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm off base here, but you know, uh, this would this movie have gotten made if it was 2019? I think yeah. In the same way, I mean, not like. No, no role changes or anything like because they're trying to make a point to it's not like they're trying to purposely put white people in other ethnicities in this film. It's supposed to be about a strain and our genetic DNA and our storylines and people connected to people onward and onward through history. It's not so it's not like they're blatantly trying to be dicks. Yeah, this is I have strong feelings about this because this is this is not caricature. This is not. No one's in blackface or whiteface or yellow face or any kind of face. Right. This, this isn't Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell. Right. This isn't this isn't Mike Myers in Love Guru. Oh. This is this is, um, this is even though some of the some of them are a little awkward, but yeah. I mean like you they're doing more than transcending race, they're transcending gender. I mean, some of the some of the least good prosthetics is Hugh um I'm, I'm sorry, is uh, Hugo Weaving as a woman, not very oh. convincing. 
You don't like um, the nurse at the Aurora House? Jokes. I mean, I think Mr. I actually, Kevin Mish, Mr. Kevin Mish. I actually think his performance is outstanding, and I think I, that the, I think the body work that they did is really good too. Just the face is kind of unconvincing. She's a big, healthy woman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but so the whole point of the movie—I mean, the movie is not about you're following these souls. You're following souls throughout this movie. You're following the whole movie is about you know. Um, resurrection and, and and past lives and future lives and that kind of stuff. So like, um, and it's about, it's supposed to be about the connective, uh, you know, beyond that, that absolutely transcends humanity and race and all that stuff. Um, so uh, I can, I can absolutely, like anyone that would be uncomfortable about this movie, I'm not going to sit here and argue with them that they should not be. Right. Uh, but uh, in, in my opinion, like, the, the, like I, I feel like this movie gets a, a, a weird and rare pass because what they're trying to do with these characters and, and with this story is to show the ways that we are bound together. And, um, and, and it works for me, even though they're also, of- making non-white, they're also making non-whites uh, white people too. So there, right. it goes every angle. They're not, I don't know. It's uniform. Uh, Eric, what's your thoughts on this? Did the um, Asians look like J.B.J. Abrams Vulcans in his Star Trek uh, films? Yes. But I agree with Travis. You know, it wasn't a a, a problem of the, um, you know, people being in like Asian face or black face. And, you know, they they didn't have the guts to put, you know, make someone black. And I think that was probably a a purposeful choice. Yeah. Um, You know, if you're going to dip your toe in the water, you might as well go swimming. But I, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. They look, a lot of them look dumb. Like when Hugo Weaving's the woman, am I like invested in the story and like, oh, watch out for the nurse? No, I'm like thinking the entire time, look at how silly Hugo Weaving looks. And that for me caused a lot of the problems on that first viewing. That's why I kind of do want to take another look at it because all I was thinking was, <laughs> look at the dumb makeup. What is this fucking Norbit? The entire time. It took a while for me to get used to it. I got to be honest with you. What about the, uh, story of the old people you know getting out of aurora house united together i love seeing like people in their 70s or 80s coming together and escaping this home yeah i love mr meeks you know he stands up in the bar for the scotsman against the english there's so many levels of different things going on and so many scenes it's it's hard to it's hard to get your mind around what the focus of this movie is at times. At least for me, Travis. I mean, I like this movie, but I still don't know what the purpose is. I, I get the basic idea there's some type of connection of humanity, but I really don't know. I, can I break the connection down? At least, and not, not yes, please. I mean, I can't break them. Like, there's obviously the movie suggesting there's connections in humanity, and I've already made that point. But I would not be subjected to criminal abuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really important to the story. Um, uh, because there's a connective tissue that runs through this movie, and it's not just all right. So there's, there's so there's a few points that are made. She says, um, Somni says, you know, we are um, our lives are not our own. Yeah. Uh, from tomb to womb, we are bound to others. Tomb to womb. Yeah, it's a little cheesy, but it's a good, but it makes sense. I mean, we are bound. Our lives aren't just our own. We affect the people in our lives. We're affected by people who've never met us, who we've never met, that we'll never know of, who happened, you know, who lived hundreds of years ago and our actions might affect those hundreds of years from now for all we know as little as our lives may seem to us and and this is the, this is the way it works we got we got Adam Ewing's story on uh the on the ship in 1849 he's he's in the in the pacific um you know he he's being conned by this character this goose this Dr. Goose played by Tom Hanks and maybe one of his 
his more fun roles that he probably had. Breaking on his lady killers character. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but but an act of kindness, which again, Somni talks about, like these small acts of kindness and the importance that they had, this act of kindness of of feeding the escaped slave, of of, of making the introduction to the um to the crew. Ultimately, it leads to his own life being saved. Um, otherwise, he would die by the by the hand of the doctor. And okay. since he survives, he's able to write his journal. And that journal gets published as the Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing. Flash forward almost 100 years later, Robert Frobisher is in this position where he's in this weird job with Vivian, <laughs> whatever. Um, and he's trying to keep himself sane to a degree. And he reads only half of the journal of Pat of, of Patrick Ewing of, of Adam Ewing. Um, but we don't, but like we get an impression that like it, it like he talk he says it's like his only saving grace at one point that it's like keeping him sane. It is influencing him to some degree as he writes the magnum opus of his life, which is the cloud Atlas sextet. Uh, and then he dies. Right. And then we've, then we move on to, to 1973 and we get Louisa Ray's story. Louisa Ray, uh, connects with Sixsmith, who uh, from and from him she learns about the Cloud Atlas suite, which she then listens to, um, loves, finds beautiful. She she connects with it immediately. I know I've heard it before. There's no way you could have heard it before, but I know I have. She probably hasn't, but it, but she has this immediate connection with her. She uh-huh. goes on to not just survive the story, but to write her own mystery novels, the 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 mysteries of uh, the Louisa Ray mysteries. Um, which is barely hinted at in the book, but we get or in the movie, but we get it. We get a glimpse of it because Cavendish is is reading one of her books when he's uh, at one point in the movie. Yeah, and it's Cavendish, written by the kid. That uh, it's written by the kid, Gonzalez, yeah. right? So, so, so this connection, th- these stories are connected. Like, uh, like it's 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 art that's connecting us as as human beings here so far. And 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 some of this stuff, like the 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 sextet, hardly anybody ever heard, right? But and and like and also like the the story that Cavendish read, like he doesn't even talk to him. He's a very self-absorbed man, but like he probably internalizes it to some degree, like the sleuthing and the fortitude that, that Louisa Ray had Louisa Ray has, and he and he gets and he, and he and he uses this to get out of his ghastly uh you know the ghastly period or the ghastly ordeal of Timothy Cavendish. And then he writes his own novel, right? That yeah. novel gets made into a movie. One little snip from that movie. Go ahead, Mike. What's the line? <laughs> I will not be subjected to criminal abuse. In, in the year 2144, that one line, <laughs> that one moment inspires someone who inspires someone else who leads, who ends up sparking a revolution and becoming a messiah and worshipped as a goddess who then influences someone else uh, like o- almost 200 years later to simply do the right thing and be a good person. It's right. a, that to me, that's, that's the connection. That's, I mean, like, it's not just our lives. It's the art that we create, even as inconsequential as it may seem in our own lives. Um, we have these, we can impact these ripples can, can, can influence throughout all time. And, um, and in that way we can be immortal and make lives better, hopefully better for those that come after us. Well, Tom Hanks can do it better than I can. I will not be subjected to criminal abuse. <laughs> and he storms out of the uh, the Cavendish reimagining, which apparently is like a story within a story about you know his experience that some knees absorbing. It's just fascinating. I I find that the movie's pace moves so fast with all these stories connected that I'm never. The first time I watched it, I wasn't bored. 
I was rather amused and curious trying to pay attention the first time I watched it. That Eric, you weren't paying attention so much as you were like disconnected by some of the things you saw. No, I was paying attention. I right, understood are, all like, of the themes and everything not, that was yeah. going on. I just thought it was um, structurally, it was a little, I don't want to say sloppy because I say that all the time. Structure is sloppy. It's clunky. It's this, it's that. It, it vomits so much in that first five minutes. If, it, if It's one of these movies that if it doesn't hook into you in that first maybe five, ten minutes, you're going to have a hard time maybe sticking with it and being able to appreciate it. Um, that's, that's why, why we're told I, in the beginning to be patient, right? Cavendish says, I get it, yeah, I get it. Hey, be paid, trust me, you'll like this movie. Okay, great, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> all that. I'll, I'll take my own opinion on it. Um, <laughs> oh. like I say, it is resonating with me because of the overarching themes, the transmigration type of stuff you're talking about, Travis, is interesting, and uh, I think it's done well. Um, but yeah, um, one thing I didn't get was the whole like. This madcap like escape the nursing home. Did, did the, the the Asian character in the future see that movie and was inspired by some like weird ass silly madcap old man out of a nursing home? Like oh, it's just, no, no, it's just the one scene. It was it was caught in the loop that influenced her friend, who the guy jerks off ketchup okay. or mayo all over her back. She's she's she she's actually kind of. You know, she's not. She's kind of like uh, shy and like yeah. uh, you know uh, into the whole like we don't break the rules thing. It's her friend who uh, is influenced first by the movie that in turn influences her. Okay, she's still not. She's still, not, in, yeah. movie she's still like, not oh. inspired. She's still not inspired until she sees the Soylent Green moment, which is also referenced in the film, which is fun, right? right. And uh, Cavendish is originally trying to escape Soylent Green people. people. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of that movie. Uh, being human. Remember that movie with Robin and Williams where he goes through all those oh, lifetimes? Yeah, I could definitely see that con that, that connection with John Turturro in there. Yeah. Yeah. I like this better, but I, I, I agree that that's, that's probably one of the few movies that, that could possibly compare in terms mm. of Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that one. We're talking about Cloud Atlas. I hope you watch the film before you listen to this because this movie is deep. I recommend watching it twice. I really do. If you've never seen it before, and you happen upon this show, do a double dip, you know, watch it by yourself, maybe watch it with some people. It's a great discussion piece at bare minimum. And that's why I think Travis made a good choice, regardless of how the end of this segment comes out. This is a great movie to break down because there's so much going on. I mean, we could easily talk about this movie for five hours. We could. This, at the same time, like I actually took a lot less notes than usual and like set really? my, yeah, I set my pen down for most of it and just kind of <laughs> let it wash over me, you know? Um, because like, uh, th again, like, like you said, like this movie moves pretty quick. Um, like you're kept pretty much at a, I feel a pretty suspenseful speed. Like it's kind every now and then it gives us like these dips and we get to like sit with one character for a while and kind of breathe. And then we get back in this moment and, 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 you know, the, the two movies I kept thinking of the most watching this, um, was Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Actually, the the scene, oh. like the climax scenes, like the whole the, the the bell scene, you know, the ringing bell scene in Boogie Nights, you know, the, the donut shop scene, or like the, um, the 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 climax towards the climax of uh, Magnolia, where all these different stories are being weaved together at once, and we're getting them in like snippets uh, here and there. Uh, that, that you know, but like that's 
that works at Magnolia. That you know, we get like, oh, maybe five, ten minutes of this. This movie is like, hey, how about fifty minutes straight of that? <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it works. Like it, the movie is like a fever dream. Like it's just kind of like falls fever on you, and then <laughs> and then uh, when it's over, like uh, you know, like I just kind of like hit stop, and then just kind of like sat there. For, even though I've seen this movie like six times or whatever, you know, and like, I still had like sit up and be like, oh, I gotta like, I gotta think for. <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking ambitious and it, it, the scope is just it's massive that you know it i i refuse to say uh, i liked a movie or that it was a good film just because it's so big we're de- we got this is a hundred million dollars so the movie the money's got to go somewhere so i can't just be like oh it's so big it's so grand we got all of these storylines and they're interconnected so did crash and crash fucking sucked so i can't Ooh. just give it the pass because of the scope and the interweaving storylines I had to stop and think, is each one of these storylines like interesting to me or something that I really haven't seen before? Maybe not so much for me personally, but like I said, I am kinder here in this second viewing. I'm looking at it right now and these colors are gorgeous. The cinematography by John Tall, who shot Legends of the Fall that we took a look at a few weeks ago is just spellbindingly beautiful. The production design is off the charts. So this is a really gorgeous film to look at. And, and to me, it's a, it's a clearly just a playground for these actors who were given carte blanche to just have themselves a real nice time exploring these characters. And I get, I get, I have a lot of fun watching actors enjoy their craft. Um, but again, like it's not you know, like your, your points are, are well taken. Um, and, but for me, like the movie, the reason this movie works so well is because of the emotional layers. All this other stuff, it matters. It's good. It, it, it matters. But um, the emotional depth of this movie and um, the, the ways that it kind of uh, challenges you morally, because I kind of feel like a lot of the movie, you're trying to watch Tom Hanks' soul, his character, move up a step. You know, there's the Isaac character that he is as a um, – where he's a um, – uh, a nuclear physicist, physicist where he seems like a decent guy, but pretty much throughout the rest of the movie, he's a predator. And, um, but, but also kind of like at the same time can sometimes show like the capacity for more, like even when he is Frobisher's um, innkeeper, he actually like, he helps him out, but it's still like, you know, for, for a bribe, but, but like, but slow. And so you, by the time he like gets the weapon out and is going to kill, what's her name? My or whatever her name is. Like you actually, even though even that was seen before, I'm like, you know, like it, it's, it's weird. Like he really could kill him. He's got old Georgie in the ear, which to me, that's my favorite performance in the movie. I know it's an <laughs> easy one. It's an easy favorite, but man, Hugo Weaving is the devil is just a perfect casting. It's such a weird devil. Um, but no but blade can protect you from the true, true. That's four times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, I, I, to me, to me the, movie, the movie resonates emotionally. Yeah. And I, I'm digging what you're saying because it, that predacity is one of the big elements of the movie that I love because in every one of these little vignettes, there's this predator trying to bring you down. And for every soul, they have this challenge where they have to, you know, there's this causality there where they have to defeat it and move on. But one of the elements I like and is really starting to resonate with me more and more as the day goes on, because I just saw it last night, is that each one of these people, yes, they defeat the evil, but it reminds you, or at least me, I should say, that you cannot defeat evil, it's impossible, but you can defeat the evil that's in someone's heart, all right? And it, it's it's one person at a time sort of thing, and I think that's what I kind of got most of the movie. 
Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. Take a in my life. You better know about the true truth and never tell the whole truth. See, he was never telling the whole true true. That's why he was so pissed because Halle Berry's character, what do they call it? Ah, shit. The, the prescience. Prescience, thanks. They're always coming down and there's like this uneasy alliance between them. And I actually get, I started fast forward through some of those parts when they're there. Although, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. Hugh Grant as the cannibal, like changed. I think me and Travis have talked about this before. It like changed my view of Hugh Grant. I was like, look at this fucking guy. Yeah. He's good. It's the weird fucking weird Yeah. It's Uh, fucking amazing. The Kona tribe. And and also the other guy that I don't know what the actor's name, but the one that plays the, um, the critic that Tom, Hanks throws out the window. He ends up being the guy that like um, oh, tra- Felix no. fucking Finch. Yeah, Felix fucking Finch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ends up being uh, Hugh Grant's like father, you know the, the second in command. That like you know, and he does a really good job as well. I call the Kona tribe extremely creepy. It, very creepy. But I I actually find myself on this viewing when Felix Finch spoiler gets thrown off the building by uh, fucking Moppet or whatever the fuck his uh, Dermot <laughs> Dermot Muggins or yeah. Muggins. Did you have a problem uh, with Hank's Cockney accent? Where do you rank it? Is it like Dick Van Dyke band or what'd you think of that whole thing? Tom Hanks does a good job in the film with all of the characters, but I'm going to be honest. This is my opinion. Take it or leave it. He's miscast as every single one of his characters. I think a better, a, a different actor could have been a, done a better job in every single one of these roles. Wow! I wow! Like real, I really couldn't disagree more. Um, I, especially as Zachary, I think he's, I think he's great as Zachary. Um, yeah. The, the, the in the future, the character. Yeah, I like him. I like the bozo doctor. Even uh, I like that kind of. Hands. I love Lady Killers and his role in it too. So whenever he gets that draw or any type of goofy character where he changes his, he can morph himself. I thought the Cockney, you know, bad guy. British streets gang scumbag was the biggest stretch of all the roles, but I actually wanted to be more immersed in that world. When he throws Felix Finch over the roof, I was like, Oh, I want to stay here. That was my takeaway from this recent viewing is I wanted more from this storyline, but uh-huh. it immediately goes away from that. Cause Timothy's going to be on the run. Like when they show up, his do his scumbags come when he's on the toilet, pulling the Lebowski moment and putting yeah. the plunger in his mouth. Oh, I love I love that. Well, they all, they all laugh about the law. The law. <laughs> so funny. Funny. I, you, I did laugh. you guys have a problem with like, because each one of these, like like the part I ended up writing down is when the, 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 the old dudes are leaving the nursery, nursery home. And it's literally like, uh, like silly hijinks. And then like a second later, it cuts back to the seventies, like, hard-boiled chase and it's like for me it's like you can't make me laugh at this stupid shit and then had me be like oh here we go again with this serious pot-boiled thriller well i actually kind of disagree about the um frivolity of the uh cavendish line because to me i i, I mean it, it is kind of goofy a little bit like there is <laughs> yeah i don't see that way either i agree with travis there's there i mean like i mean like yeah, like I mean, there there is a little bit more goofiness to it than some of the other storylines, particularly yeah. like I guess Mr. Makes um, or Neo Soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but yeah, no. T- to me, like I, I like so one of the th- so I, I I agree strongly that one of the major themes of this movie is that you know the the weaker meat and the strong do eat, and so like they have to constantly like there's always this oppressor that they have to fight against. But there there's also like this theme of imprisonment. And sometimes it seems really obvious, like what that imprisonment is. And sometimes it's a little less obvious, but um, like 
that that storyline I think is tragic when when um, they're calling that fake they, they they fake the death of the one mother and the family is like ugh we don't want to do we have to do this now and then they're like, <laughs> like yeah the well and it's like oh yeah. fine fuck it like clearly these people like it's a sad situation for them and um, yeah I, I actually put like it's kind of I, I think it's a little higher stakes for me than it is for you I guess is my long way of uh, going about saying this yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I didn't. I know it's more hijinks because they're on the run, but they're also terrified. These people are. Right. They show up and it's like, oh, they're fucked. And if you've never seen it before, I remember being much more concerned. And I know they show the shot where they watch the tooth fly into Cavendish's beer, and so yeah, it's they're preying on some old routines about the British versus the Scots and some of that stuff. But I didn't care because I love the '70s scene. It's probably might be my favorite. I love Hugh Grant being this uh, ing, you know, this American scumbag, uh, the face of the nuclear power plant, and the oil industry, and uh, everybody involved in it. Halle Berry is a, she's outstanding. I cannot believe how I mean. I know this movie is eight years ago, but she still looks incredible in every role she's in in this film. She is talented and beautiful, and uh, I just like watching her in just about anything except Catwoman. But <laughs> this movie is. <laughs> I, I can understand your frustration, Eric, and maybe I should have thought about that more. Like, hey, we're, I'm the kind of guy who likes to jump to things. Though. I like to keep moving, and yeah. it keeps my attention. I'm cool with that. But maybe, maybe it is a stretch. I, mean, I don't know. I'd have to question myself because I don't have a good answer to you why I like the pacing and this movie overall. Why do I? I don't know. I'm not sure why. I mean, I, mean, I wish we could have all talked after we all first saw it because. I, I'm, I'm more affectionate to it here in my second viewing um, because I, I just never have seen anything like it. So it it was coming at me so fast and the tone was shifting so much that, you know, my ADD once again caught up with me. But for me, there was some tonal issues. So, Mike, you're saying that the 1970s Louisa Ray is your favorite storyline? I think so. Uh, Eric, did you have a favorite storyline or no? I, I, my favorite story was the um, Pacific Islands 1840s stuff. Okay. The shot when uh, uh, Tua, I think his name was, is swinging around yeah. on the ropes oh, trying yeah. to prove himself to be a crew member. That's like jaw-dropping photography. Yeah, that's a, like stop him from shooting him and stuff. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's just like a – I like the simplicity of the story uh, there. It's a strong message. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it, it was told exactly how it, enough it, it – in as much as with brevity that it needed to, to get that message across where some of the other installments for me were a, a little bit more obtuse, namely the, the Neo seal stuff for me, I could have thought could have made an interesting feature film of its own, but yeah. for me, it got a little bulky for the rest of the material here. I, I th That's one of the fun things to me about it is each one of these could have been expanded a little more and really been their own whole movie. Um, but for me, my favorite storyline is the, is the, Hawaiian apocalypse, you know, the, the, the Zachary and the true, true. And the, <laughs> that's, yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Are you shitting me? Really? Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. No, hands down because of the Kona tribe, because of the weird performances, um, because of the, because of the turnaround of like um, him watching um, his brother-in-law get his throat slit and his, and his nephew get killed. And then like, and then like the struggle, this moral struggle that Zachary has through the whole thing where it's like, cause the only real good that he does in the, it, is for his niece. Like he's not, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty selfish guy, uh, but he cares about his niece. And then he, like you watch him become a better person uh, throughout, throughout that, 
you know, there's a good arc there. And it's also like, a, I don't know, pretty wacky and weird culmination of all of these stories that leads to like, when you, you they actually walk through and like the corpses of Neo's soul and, and all that stuff, uh, which is a little weird because where the fuck is Neo's soul if they're in Hawaii and he's taking her there? Like his soul <laughs> no longer in Korea. Right. They, what the, that's probably the biggest issue I have with the movie is like that geography lesson that, there's 12 me. states and four <laughs> off-world colonies. That's all. I, <laughs> that's all I know. But uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I know that this is a frustrating movie for you, Eric, and uh, we appreciate you. I I know that I will be curious to see what you'll think of it again on a second viewing, and I hope you give us that chance down the road. You don't have to now because you're off the hook. You never have to watch this movie again if you don't want to, as far as I know. True. But true. True. Is the star power true? True. Is the star power of this film? Is that one of the things? Yeah. It, is, it no, is it a detriment? No. Is it? I think maybe it allows the film to get more praise than maybe it deserves because it's got all these big time actors in it. It does. I mean, these are heavy hitters. Not all of them, but some of them are best of the best. Four Academy Award winners alone in this film. Does that? We almost, yeah, we almost had Natalie Portman and Ian uh, McKellen in it as as well. But you know. Yeah. I, for uh, for my money, you know, uh, James Darcy is probably I think doing the some of the best work here after Tom, I got Tom Tom Hanks, but uh, the you know D- James Darcy who plays uh, Sixsmith, I thought yeah. uh, um, just really compelling work. I love him as the archivist, and uh, you know, even though he's you know got some pretty intense prosthetics going on, uh, but when um, when what's her name uh, when Somni tells him like you know, he's like well you know she's like someone someone already does believe me. And just like that, that he has like such good responses uh, in those interview scenes, like because like he, he doesn't have as much to say, but like you see him like start off as a professional and gets persuaded throughout the course of the interview, and like it's seconds of these shots over three hours that you're getting of this guy all over the place, and yet you still get walked through that character, this minor character whose name we never even learn. Yeah. Um, I still feel like you get this sense of this guy who's like, I'm, I'm just doing my part and I'm just going to learn. And this is my job. And then like actually being like, this guy ends up being a prophet. It's him that ends up spreading her, her, um, c- her confession. There's no other way that that information gets out there. We know now, um, which ends up being the religion in the future. And, um, Oh, there's so many like I got goosebumps. The more, the more I think about this movie, every time I think about this movie, there's some new little facet that you can just dive into and plug it into the rest of it, and being like, "Oh, that's awesome!" It all connects. So, oh, so what about it though? That I mean, that's all fine and good. I like that, Travis. But is the star power giving this movie more props than it deserves, Eric? The star power? Uh, I think you need good actors to hold. To, hold interest in this otherwise it could be a complete disaster if you have all this shit going on no, you know a lot of people had a, a hard time understanding the dialogue and keeping up with it and bad performances it would have been an absolute goddamn nightmare but we have great performances i agree i think james darcy's does D- darcy who's this guy does the strongest work uh in the picture um did he play the uh keanu reeves cosplayer guy too in the future <laughs> No, oh, yeah, the one was, who's uh, with Omni is the super bond of the time. <laughs> uh, that was Jim Sturgis, I think. Yeah, Sturgis. I think it's Sturgis. Sturgis. Sometimes you can't tell. Uh, right. I, I, would, I couldn't tell the difference between certain people. Yeah, that's the thing that I like is that sometimes, like, you know, it's someone like 
you know it's another actor from the movie because you can tell that it's like a person in prosthetics, but you're like, I'm not actually sure. Oh, oh. There. <laughs> and then they just show up randomly in parts. Like yeah. Ben uh, Wishaw's character is when uh, Halle Berry's character is the prescience showing off fusion engine. Listening to it. Fusion, yeah. fusion. He's just oh, there sitting on the floor. Oh, it's Ben yeah. Wishaw. There he is. Right. Okay. Or, or James Arcee, like uh, in, in, uh, in Cavendish's ordeal. Like it, it shows him like look up once. Like he's like, he's like an orderly. Like it shows him just look up. <laughs> That's it. You just see him for like half a second. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I mean, did all that distract you? I mean, you're trying to follow the story, and it's like, oh, oh, that's Fugo waving. Oh, look, look, they made him in with this. I oh, these are multiple where, viewings too, though. Yeah, I could see where it could distract others, but again, like to me, like the movie starts off, and it's it's like, again, like it, it's not subtle. It's like past lives, you know, <laughs> uh, future lives. So, like these things are being like bandied about early on. So like it's pretty easy to figure out that you're like following different actors and and different performances so um no i didn't find it distracting because it's just to me it just so i since i haven't read the book i'm really curious how beyond the comet um uh birthmark which doesn't really work on film but um, i'm curious beyond that like how they connect the souls from uh story to story because in the movie you can really tell kind of who's who because of the actors playing them but like i feel like that element must be missing from the book you know what I mean? But in the movie, I think it really drives home a really powerful point about the you know, connections over time and human nature. Itself. I think I read that in the book, it, it's all dependent on that birthmark. Uh, and the, whoever has the birthmark is that particular soul and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. You're not going to have the same features <laughs> if you're a different person with along the lineage of, the, of your time. But yeah. yeah, but I kind of got the impression that like the features, the similar features were just for us as viewers to like, yeah. be able to, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I didn't get the comment thing at all. The birthmark thing. I'm like, okay, what's the connection other than like time and souls and yada, yada. I, I have a theory, which I, I think it runs contrary to the book. <laughs> oh. um, but since, so like if, if in the book, as Eric said, like the comet is supposed to represent one soul, that's clearly not what's happening in the movie. Hmm. Right. Um, so my theory in the movie is that um, the comet represents kind of like a linchpin soul in that timeline. Maybe not with the and like the importance of all of humanity or not something like that, but certainly in the importance of the Cloud Atlas network of of souls. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can dig that. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because each one of the six, they each have it. It shows every one of them at a different point in each timeline. Each 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 person, and it's and it's a protagonist of each timeline, and they're the one that's each time that has to like overcome something and uh, like do good. Mm. Mm. Huh. I, dig yeah, that. I, I mean i had nothing so i'll take it <laughs> i don't even have a theory but uh you know as uh you know we're getting about to that time here cloud atlas wrap up does it hold up um I don't know, who wants to go first this week i'll go ahead and go first since i picked this um and i think that my opinion's pretty obvious from the start um <laughs> You know, when I pick a movie that I haven't seen in 20 years, the, the question might be a little more, will this hold up for me? I'm not as sure. But I, I was pretty sure that I would still feel good about this, and I do. Is this a flawed movie? Absolutely. There's all kinds of things that I could sit here and pick apart. The rubber noses, um, you know, some, some of that kind of stuff. But um, these themes, this kind of stuff that we've been talking about, these, these universal 
transcendent themes are so awesome and the blending of these ty- of these of these genres all into one cohesive at least in my opinion movie i mean we have a sort of like a period drama and then you have a straight up like romance drama mm-hmm. uh and then you have some sort of like thriller mystery thing going on then you got a straight up like sci-fi and then another sci-fi I mean, it's pretty wild um so, so to me, I like a movie that um, makes me think differently about movies. It makes me think differently about life um, that takes chances. Um, so for me, obviously, this movie holds up, and I strongly recommend it. There it is. Clear as day. Um, let's have Eric go next, because <laughs> then we'll find out where we stand. Okay. Um <laughs> Well, like I said, this is it, it's it's hardly the most accessible film you're going to run into in your lifetime or the next lifetime, no pun intended. Uh, but there's a lot to enjoy here. You've got a beautiful score by one of the co-directors himself, if I saw that correctly. You did. Um, you've got, you know, interesting musings on stuff like transmigration and transcendentalism and, um, you know, con- like crooked timber type stuff when it comes to the perfectibility of humanity that, that I can dig. And a lot of that you have to put into that stuff on your own based on your own understandings of philosophy and, and that sort of thing. While I'm watching it, I'm a little frustrated. In fact, I'm a lot frustrated. A lot of the times I'm not even really enjoying myself, but you know, a, a second viewing I think is definitely in order if you're at least curious with taking this on. You got interesting performances you've got gorgeous cinematography when that that car crash sequence i'd never seen a, a, a car crash sequence quite like that i thought it was gorgeous uh and you've got cool stuff like hugo weaving as a fucking evil leprechaun saying nonsense in your ear so <laughs> i i applaud the effort of it first viewing wasn't for me but you know uh i'm looking forward to seeing it again one day when all is said and done holds up it holds up Surprise me. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, that's the most surprising announcement I've ever heard from you on the show, Eric. I must say, uh, me, I I like this movie. I like watching it. Um, when I threw it on, I watched it twice this week just to double check. And wow. yeah, because I'm like, oh, what else can I look for in this film? Because once you watch it the first time and you want to watch it again, you can start looking for a lot of other things throughout each storyline. And you don't have to focus so much on what's happening because you know what will happen. And that makes it easier for you to get some more uh, Easter eggs, you know, or just look around. And I I enjoyed it. I I actually didn't enjoy it as much on the second viewing as I did the first one because I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. But it certainly, to me, holds up because it's a movie about you know, humanity, and I really like the idea. It gives me hope, I guess, to hang on to the concept of these insignificant moments that can be poo-pooed by cynics actually have meaning and value in future lives that you will never maybe even know about, which is kind of cool. It kind of brings significance to maybe the most, on the surface, you know, meaningless life. So I like that idea, and for me, that's the kind of movie I'd like to watch and um, you know, we've covered it already and it could probably be covered in more detail and maybe criticized further about the the makeup and, you know, the different role changes and does it really work? And I mean, you got Hugo Weaving and Hugh Grant are both bad guys throughout the films, I believe, like they're yeah. always scumbags. Yeah, and, that's kind of the whole thing about about the souls. I think you get a, you get a sense that Halle Berry's soul is a is a good soul throughout. 
Uh, yeah. You get, sense, you get a sense that Jim Sturgis's soul is a good soul throughout. That's um, true. But you, mm. but, but like you, you, you definitely see um, Tom Hanks struggle. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, June Bay. I'm not sure. Dune Bay. I think her name's Dune Bay. Um, yeah. She's a little bit more. It's Bay uh, Duna. Bay Duna. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, she's she's pretty gentle. You know, she's not like like a. She's certainly not bad or good. She's fairly just gentle throughout most of it until, but she'll fight back. If you kill her dog, she'll fucking blow your head off. (laughs) Which also real quick, Bill smoke is such a good name for a hitman. It's just. (laughs) Yeah. And Keith Um, David looks fucking badass in that leather coat, by the way. And he's kind of a protector throughout um, all the, all of them. Cause he's in a little, some of them are in it less, right? Like Keith David's not in every single thing, but, but everything that he's in, he serves like this important kind of protector kind of role. Same thing for the uh, uh, guy, Gaisi, uh, the guy who plays the Darcy. runaway slave. No, uh, oh, David oh, Gaisi. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like, there, there seems like some souls have like a continuity, um, good or bad, and some are like trying to change. Yep. Which yeah, so, again, yeah. like that's it's awesome. I think yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, I I actually w- would like to read the book. I think maybe I'd like to see. Yeah, now that we're talking about it more, I'm more curious about it. So, yes, it holds up, in my opinion, a shocking three to nothing sweep for Cloud Atlas. Congratulations, Travis. I don't know how often we have three to nothing sweeps, but when they do happen, you know, that means maybe we're probably all wrong, truthfully. Hey, well, we, we've gotten bitten by movies that attempt to tell us about the uh, literally the human experience throughout history. Uh, but I think this one has so much to to at least try to tell us whether we're listening or not is another story that, you know, it demands respect. And by the way, uh, take a picture of whatever your settings are, because I haven't heard any feedback on this show. And that's been amazing. <laughs> I'm really proud. Of, uh, seriously, I want to give a shout out to us. Woo! It's a big I day for us. Feedback. Yeah, seriously. Fucking I've got, got better right. audio than Nolan in tennis. Oh, what'd you guys think? Send him an iPod at protonmail.com. Did you watch Cloud Atlas? Does this movie suck? Are we idiots? Please tell us. We prefer <laughs> to know the truth. You can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Five stars welcome. You can also say, hey, they rate good movies and they also give honest opinions. We always try to keep it real no matter what. Uh, check out our facebook page these guys are always popping on with movies they've been watching uh, travis's picks of recent come up every now and again and uh the instagram page still has reviews on occasion is that correct yeah, yeah. travis putting a ton of them out there birthday shout outs this is and that's still alive great all right well there it is eric Branham. you now have control of the show for next week's episode I thought I would um, indulge, uh, I think a couple of viewers have already suggested this a couple of times, and I think it is uh, appropriate that we uh, accommodate them. It's something I've been wanting to take another look at in a long time. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. That first viewing for me, God, in 2004 was beyond devastating, but uh, it's been a long time since I've taken a look at it, and it's one of these You're going to do it, that, huh? Yeah, I'm going there. I mean... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm. Wor- it's one of those that I'm worried to watch again because I don't want to have that, you know, a, that a taint on that experience in uh, back in the day. Eternal Sunshine: The Spot was mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought second, it was gonna be Aviator. Okay, good. All right. No, nah, I mean it's clearly awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a while. Time to take another look. All right. Somebody didn't was, was that one of you guys that just said recently that like no oh, somebody told me that movie sucks now so uh, that's that was, interesting. I was hurt. <laughs> Was that Eric? 
<laughs> was it? Oh, yeah, it was definitely Eric. Okay, all right. That was well, my fear. Um, no, I was. <laughs> I don't remember saying you, you totally said this to us recently. Yeah. You, said you, watched, you said you watched it in the past year and it didn't hold up. I must have oh, been talking about human nature or something else with Charlie Cobbman. No, I haven't seen this in a while. Uh, well, I'm no. worried. I'm worried. I'm thinking of anything shows that Charlie Kaufman can blow it. So, oh, like movies. So, you, you didn't like it, right? It. No, no. It's so yeah. bad. It's so bad. Joke. It's a joke. And like he went over the edge with his own internalization of himself and other people. And yeah. So, uh, but I haven't uh, not watched this film in a long time, so I'm excited. Good. This is a, it should be a big deal. This movie was a big yeah, deal when it came out, especially deal. among people who were of age and had our, had their heart broken by then. You know, this is very, this is a very, um, early rough low in there. Yeah. Yeah. Some rough, but not easy. So next week, eternal sunshine of the spotless. Mind. It's directed by Spike Jones, right? Michelle Bondry. Oh, it's a Bondry one. That's right. Okay. Good call. So next week, join us for Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Minds and Manine Pod. Every week, we go live on Thursdays and you can listen to our podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Cloud Atlas episode, which held up. We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) 